Well, Matthew introduced us to the person of the king in the first four chapters of his gospel. Then in chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, we were introduced to the principles of the king. Now it's time to discover the power of the king. Because if a king has no power to accomplish anything, what good are his credentials or his principles? Well, Jesus has the power. And in the next two chapters, Matthew will reveal to us Jesus' power over disease, power over nature, power over evil, power over sin, and power over death. Now, to do this, he's going to arrange events topically, not chronologically. If you want the chronology of these events, you'll have to go to the uh, other Gospels. Matthew simply wants his readers to get a feel for the power of the king. And he begins by demonstrating his power over disease as illustrated in the life of a leper, a centurion, and a mother-in-law. Well, Matthew concludes his account of the Sermon on the Mount with a statement about Jesus' authority and then moves to demonstrate that authority to the healing of a leper. We're in Matthew chapter 7, finishing up that 7th chapter, Rick, that you were worried about last week. The result was that Jesus had finished these words. The multitudes were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and bowed down to him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one. But go, show yourself to the priest, and present the offering that Moses commanded for a testimony to them. The multitudes were amazed at Jesus' teaching, for he taught with authority. Not simply quoting others or interpreting what others had written. He spoke with personal authority. Declaring, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He even presented himself as the judge who will one day declare false prophets and hypocrites, depart from me, and then cast them into the fire. So he spoke with authority. Now we're going to see him act with authority. And Matthew begins by telling of Jesus' encounter with a leper. Now, a leper is not a leopard. Okay? It's not a spotted animal, but a person with spots, with open sores, with decaying flesh. And it was the most dreaded of all ancient diseases, and it ostracized its victims from society and even from family. 
They were generally required to live outside the city walls, to keep themselves covered, to stay at least six feet away from anyone, and to cry unclean whenever anyone approached them. Well, such a man came to Jesus and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What a statement. What a prayer. You know, no pleading, no begging. He simply acknowledges the fact that Jesus has the power to make him clean, and he submits to his will. If you're willing, I know you can make me clean. Now, the other Gospels make it clear that Jesus had already healed others by this time. So the leper knew that Jesus had the power to heal. He just didn't know if Jesus would heal him. So he made his need known and left it in Jesus' hands. Jesus did much more than anyone would have expected. He did the unthinkable. He reached out his hand and touched the leper. Now, that act was forbidden by Jewish law. Anyone who touched a leper would be rendered unclean. Anyone, that is, except for the one who has the power to cleanse. And that one is Jesus. So he stretched out his hand. He touched the leper. And he said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. The open sores were healed. The disfigured limbs straightened. The missing fingers and toes regenerated. It was an amazing miracle. The effects of sin, not the man's sin necessarily, but sin in general, the effects of sin were removed. He was cleansed. He was made whole. Jesus then did something else most unexpected. Rather than hold a press conference and schedule a healing crusade, he told the man to tell no one what had happened, except for the priest, who would make the necessary offerings for him and would officially declare him to be clean. Now, Mark tells us that the leper did not obey Jesus' instructions with regard to silence. Instead, he proclaimed everywhere what Jesus had done. And because of it, Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but had to stay in unpopulated areas. Now, why? Because Jesus hadn't come to heal the masses, but to teach And to prepare his disciples for Calvary. His healing activity confirmed the authority of his word. It demonstrated his power. But he hadn't come to bring temporary relief from pain and suffering. He had come to bring eternal relief 
from the effects of sin. Physical healing was not his purpose for coming. But it did demonstrate his power over disease. And that was powerfully demonstrated in the life of a leper and in the life of a centurion. Let's read on. And when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him entreating and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering in great pain. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I, too, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom shall be cast out into the utter darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. Let it be done to you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very hour. Now, Luke gives us even more detail about this encounter. In Luke 7, he tells us that the centurion didn't actually come to Jesus himself, but that he sent Jewish elders to Jesus and had them ask him to help his servant. Apparently, the centurion, a Roman commander of a hundred men and a Gentile, was very sympathetic toward the Jewish nation. In fact, he had financed the building of a synagogue in Capernaum. Still, he felt himself unworthy to come before Jesus with a request. A request that in and of itself was most unusual. He was concerned about a slave. A servant boy who was paralyzed and in much pain and close to death. Now, most Romans would have thought little about the death of a slave. Slaves weren't even considered to be persons. They were simply tools to be discarded when they outlived their usefulness. But here was a Roman centurion who cared about a slave boy and sought help. From Jesus. Then, when Jesus said he would come and heal the boy and was almost to the house, the centurion sent friends telling Jesus not to trouble himself by coming any further. The centurion didn't consider himself worthy to have Jesus in his home. And besides, being a man under authority himself, with others under his authority, he knew it wasn't necessary. For Jesus to personally come to effect the healing. All Jesus would have to do is say the word. And it would be done. He knew that when he spoke, as a Roman centurion, he had authority. The authority and power of Rome behind him. Apparently he understood that when Jesus spoke, 
he had the authority and power of God himself behind him. Jesus marveled at such faith and said he had not seen faith like that in all of Israel. In fact, the only other time we read of Jesus marveling was at the unbelief of the Jews in his hometown of Nazareth. Well, Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. And he made it clear that many other Gentiles would find themselves gathered around the banquet table in heaven with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Indeed, all who express faith in Jesus and recognize that he speaks and acts with the full authority and power of God himself will find themselves around the table while those who refuse to acknowledge his power and authority, even if they are of Jewish heritage, will find themselves cast out into the utter darkness, a place of eternal weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not so for the centurion. His faith, like that of Cornelius, the centurion we read about in Acts 10, would save him. And it would bring healing to his servant. The boy was healed that very hour. Jesus had power over disease. It was demonstrated in the life of a leper, in the life of a centurion, and in the life of a mother-in-law. Let's continue. And when Jesus had come to Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and waited on him. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill, in order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now, the other Gospels make it clear that this was a Sabbath day afternoon. After a busy morning in the synagogue teaching and having to deal with a man who had an unclean spirit, Jesus, Peter, Andrew, James, and John headed to Peter's house for a quiet afternoon. When they got there, they discovered that Peter's mother-in-law had a high fever. Now, some would suggest that she had malaria or some other very serious disease, but I think she had just developed this fever. Most likely, Jesus and the others had stayed there the night before, and it doesn't appear that she had been sick. I think this is more a nuisance illness than a serious, life-threatening situation. But it's still one that Jesus deals with. You see, he's not only concerned about leprosy and cancer. It's okay to seek his help for a headache or an ingrown toenail. Tina. <laughs> when Jesus was informed of the fever, he went to her. 
He rebuked the fever. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. The fever was gone. And she was able to get back to getting dinner ready or whatever she needed to do as hostess for Peter and his friends and for all those who flocked to the house as soon as the sun went down and the Sabbath was over. Jesus then spent the evening casting out demons and healing those who were ill. He was in part fulfilling what Isaiah had prophesied some 700 years earlier and what would be completely fulfilled on the cross. In Isaiah 53, 4-6, we read, Surely our griefs, our sicknesses, he himself bore, and our sorrows, our pains, he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Jesus had power over disease because he was willing to take our sins and the effects of sin upon himself and become our Savior. He doesn't promise to take away all our diseases today, but he does promise to take upon himself the penalty for our sin and make possible for us an eternal life free from sickness and pain and sorrow. You know, I would much rather have that than the temporary healing of my physical body. Not that he can't do that as well, and he might just do so if we come to him like the leper and say, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. But let's leave that decision in his hands and simply trust him. Asking him to have his own way with us and thanking him for being willing to bear the load of our sin.